I have no interest in, in doing something that's inauthentic to me because I can't. I inherently cannot do that. And I don't think that I could feel good being successful for any other reason. Getting Discomfortable with Noah Malcolm. Today's guest is a Toronto-based singer-songwriter hailing from Prince Edward Island, who just released his first EP, and several of his songs really flirt with subject matter that is in line with this podcast. So I wanted to bring him on to discuss topics related to shame and the creative process. Noah, thanks for joining me on the show. My pleasure, AJ. So I've been following your career, especially on Instagram, and I feel like over the last few years, there's been this kind of explosion of creativity in which it feels to me, and this is what I really relate to with you, you've kind of like really shown up very transparently and honestly and said to the world, this is my interpretation, like, here's my truth. I'm tired of hiding it, and I just want to, like, show you the process of being a creative artist. I'm wondering how my interpretation lands with you. Like, does that feel true? That feels essentially true. I mean, that's ultimately what I want people to think. But from my perspective, it's a lot more nuanced, and I can see I can see the things I am filtering to kind of create that image. But it sounds like it's working. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what I'm going for. So, there's, there's, there's some transparency. Obviously, there's some boundaries in the process. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like there was a real decision to, like, share a side of yourself. And, and I think that this is, you know, there are some artists who kind of, like, are very crafted And there's like, they hold their cards close to their chest Mm -hmm. and then they reveal stuff like, here's my album, Beyonce style. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like you have really shown me very vulnerably the process of putting yourself out there as a musician and as an artist. And I I appreciate that. And I wonder, is that like a very conscious decision that you made recently? Mm, Yeah, I think so. I mean, as far as big artists like that, I... I mean, I love a good pop song, but I don't connect with an artist if I don't know them. And I think the biggest, like, superstars, I mean, in many cases, they are, it's like, who is that person? Like, where is Beyonce? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I think my my essence and my personality is very much a part of my art. So, I don't think I could put my art out there without showing it. So, I'm just kind of laying it all out anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to make my art cohesive with who I am because I think that matters because that's what speaks to me when I listen to music and watch art so that's how I understand it anyway so that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And has that always been the case? Like I'm I'm curious to know what what is your relationship history with music or with being an artist? Like how how did it start? You know, uh, yeah. what, what's that what's that love affair been like? I mean, like Cole's Notes version, I grew up playing by ear and just playing piano and making music out of pure joy. Like I would get home from school and just throw my school bag like on the floor and just go to the piano and just play because we had one. Um, So it started as like a a hobby. And then um, in high school, I was like, I think I want to study music. I wanted to write film music. 
So I was like, okay, well, I need a music degree. So I took piano lessons and I did a classical piano degree. And then I've always been very, like a very performative kid. And then out of, of, of my classical piano degree, I started doing theater, like performing on stage. And then um, our music director for the first musical that I was doing on stage um, left and had another contract. And she was like, hey, you play the piano. You just did a music degree. Do you want to take over music directing? So halfway through the contract, I moved from the stage to the piano and conducting in the pit and playing the show. And then I really loved that. So I started doing that on the island and like music directed um, like a high school show. And then I was like, I want to move to Toronto because that's where you do this. And Mm -hmm. I was really sad on like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. I'm music directing for theater. And I went to Toronto and I got jobs doing that. And I worked like all over the country doing that and was like in that professional musical theater world. but still had a lot of creative energy. But over the, f- the few years that I was doing that, I realized that I had no outlet for that. And I wasn't, I mean, I've written a musical myself, um, but I was always spending, all my time was spent rehearsing a show or like playing a cabaret or, you know what I mean? Like just, I was mm-hmm. doing other people's stuff mm-hmm. and um, diverging with like by coming out and um, just, um live like living a very queer life in Toronto because I had that freedom finally it was just a lot of things bubbling up and a couple years ago I stopped saying yes to music directing theater gigs and I got a job at a restaurant which I thought I would never do um and I borrowed a friend's guitar and started writing music and wow now I have an EP and I'm like okay this this is the thing I found it I found my way here Mm -hmm. this is absolutely it Mm mm-hmm That's the story I've been watching unfold through social media. And I I guess I I find that I find it relatable and I find it fascinating. Like I went on my own journey through acting and filmmaking Mm -hmm. to finally finding like shame. Who who knew that that would be the thing that, that really spoke to me. So I'm curious, like, do you have a sense of was there like an epiphany moment or was it a real struggle to finally decide, no, I actually, I'm going to work in a restaurant in order to pursue this larger dream? Um, writing Prey was definitely the the thing that was like, oh, like this, you just wrote this. It was the first time literally in my life that I had written a song with lyrics top to bottom. And my whole life in my family, it was like, oh, Noah's the composer. He writes music. He's a songwriter. But I've never actually done that until Mm. Prey. Prey was my literally my very first completed song ever. And I put it out into the world and it was like heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, well, I can't turn back now kind of thing. So I just kept writing music. When did you write Prey? What was that process like? Like, where did it where did it bubble up that you had to write this song? Um, I think it was an interaction with a family member. And I do I even remember what that was? I don't remember it was, but there's there's lots of stuff to to pull from. Um, But I think it was a specific interaction with someone. Um, And I think I started writing lyrics like in in a journal or something like just the chorus and it was sitting in my journal for a long time, maybe like a year. And I don't know what compelled me to pull it out, but I was just like, I'm going to put some music to this, like these four lines that I have or something. And it was literally like, like a very cliche, um, like 
spiritual. The song came through me. Like I just pressed record and like basically wrote the whole thing in one sitting. And I was, I was shaking afterwards because there was literally, and I kid you not a moment, like during writing that, that I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Like what's happening. And I called my friend, my best friend, Leah shaking being like, I just, I'm shaking now talking about it. Um, I just wrote this song. Like I, I don't, I just needed to talk to someone like something crazy just happened. And I'm the type of person that I can inject a whole lot of meaning into like this glass of water beside me or like mm-hmm. my my headphones sitting like I'm like oh that means this and that must mean this so doing writing something that actually did mean a lot I was like this this I just turned a page and I don't know what just happened but like something's different now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've heard people describe art just sort of channeling through them like that. And I don't know that I've experienced that myself personally, but you can feel that when you listen to the song. There's mm. there's like a lot of emotion to it. It's obviously very personal. And there's a line where you stop singing, where you sing about stopping singing that like mm. always makes my eyes water. And I'm not even oh. sure like what it means exactly, <laughs> but you can really feel it in those lyrics. Yeah, all the lyrics mean, they're pretty literal. They all kind of mean a specific thing. That one, I remember going to church because I grew up in the church. And when I was younger, I would sing like in the, um, like sing in the pew when you stand and you sing hymns and things. Um, and then like like pre-adolescence, like 10, 11, actually maybe nine, I don't know, maybe a little bit younger even. Um, I remember just like singing my heart out and my brother who was like, a teenager, like very cool, right? Um, like gave me a look that I interpreted as like, dude, it's like you're like it's not cool for you to sing. And maybe I like my life changed from a wrong interpretation of that. Maybe he doesn't even of course he was just like of course he wouldn't remember that. But to me, it was it was a deep pang of shame. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what that line means. Mm-hmm. And I and I didn't I mean really writing prey was when i found my voice again that's a long time i was like i don't know the math but years a giant chunk of my life Chances that he could have made a mistake. 
Wow, so there's like this exuberant, innocent child who's just channeling this this energy, this joy, this creativity, this art, mm-hmm. and then this really crystal moment of shame that stifles your voice in mm-hmm. in in a literal and metaphorical way for for decades. Is that right? It's nuts. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Do you feel like around the time you wrote Prey, you were making some headway through your own shame? Was that like something that you're conscious of? At the time of writing that? um, Or was Prey the work itself? I think it was the work itself. I don't, I mean, I'm in such a different headspace now, like having written that four years ago and released released my own music that I stand proudly behind. Um, I don't, I mean, I've, it was always a very present thing, uh, especially with with my friends, like that other other queer friends that have difficult relationships with loved ones. Um, but i i don't I don't recall like being like I have to do this work. I have to sort through this. So I think I think it was the song. Mm-hmm. I have a kind of pet theory that art can be a kind of therapy for healing our trauma. And this story, and when I hear that song, that's sort of what comes to mind for me. And I know with my own struggles, you know, especially during the pandemic and this holidays, experiencing like depression and loneliness, like singing, there's something about it that's really healing for me. Like just even just like, Mm. you know, like I'm not a singer, but singing along to Christmas carols by myself. Yeah. I'm noticing, I'm like, this feels really cathartic and really nice. There's something almost... Uh, emotional processing happening and and it i'm i'm wondering if that rings true for you a million billion percent i've been singing like i've i'm i i sing and whistle and just make music like unknowingly like at work like at the restaurant like i'll be whistling and i won't even realize i'm doing it it's just like even even in uncomfortable situations where there's like social awkwardness and i'm very much the person to like hold all of that tension on myself and feel responsible for it so like I'll sing or I'll like, I'll make music in some way to kind of relieve tension. It's just like, it's my impulse response to things. <laughs> it's weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's like tension building up and it kind of floods out or gets processed through the song Pray. And this mm-hmm. seems to open up a whole new period of creativity and self-direction for you. Is that right? It definitely did. Yeah. It was largely from the response of the song because um, I, I filmed a video with the two and um, it was the first thing that I had put out there. And it was, like I said, it was like right out of the gate. It was like, oh, this is what you're singing about? Okay. And it was very scary thing to do because it is so mm-hmm. personal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was getting like Facebook messages from strangers, like, in other countries being like my husband just came out we've been married for 30 like crazy stuff that you're like lady you don't even know me but like you were (laughs) compelled (laughs) to message me because you heard this song and you don't even know who i am but clearly it struck a chord with you um i had a guy come out to me he was like he was um like 36 and he was in the closet and i was on a contract in a in a different city and he 
met me at the coffee shop and like I was like I'm a musician I'm here on contract and then he looked me up and then he was like I heard your song pray like would love to go for coffee and then like cried to me for hours and we had like a relationship while I was on that not a relationship but like I was someone that he like confided in while I was in that on that contract from that song so mm-hmm. it was nuts mm-hmm. I'm I'm reminded of like people when I mentioned shame it leads to the most interesting conversations. And I often hear people say, you know, I've never told anyone this before, but Mm -hmm. dot, dot, Mm -hmm. dot. And I feel like it's the same thing with your music. It's like when you kind of connect with something really true for you and Mm -hmm. kind of healing for you and then talk about it, other people are drawn to that and it it does something for them as well. So it sounds like... It does. Yeah. That's exa- that's been exactly my experience with that. Yeah. What was it like, you know, so you got this you got this great response, but it sounds like there was also, you know, I'm imagining some fear and shame about putting yourself out there for the first time in this way, especially with such personal vulnerable content. Was that difficult to navigate? The kind of um aftermath? Yeah, it kind of was. I mean, um with the people that are close to me, I'm like family. It was um it was kind of like, I don't know, you, you lay your heart out there and you do something that you're proud of that reinforces what you've been told about yourself your whole life. Like, you're the musical kid. Like, oh, you're going to be on Broadway someday or like stuff like that. That's been like, mm-hmm. that's been like kind of, that's, I've kind of adopted those beliefs about myself like as, as like a, like I need to be something, I need to be somebody and the music is yeah. my thing. And then I finally did it. And it was kind of like radio silence because like it was like not how I was supposed to do it or not the way I was supposed to do it or not what I was supposed to write about. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really conflicting because I was like, this this couldn't represent me more. This couldn't be more truthful to me and the people that I want to get through to aren't aren't even acknowledging it really i mean since then there's been conversations about it but the immediate response you know like getting like hundreds of shares and like strangers messaging you and meanwhile like i can't even have a conversation with like someone i've spent my whole life with mm-hmm. so that w- that was confusing mm-hmm. and continues to be in its own own way but it's an ever-changing thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i find that that's very very relatable like yeah, the, the whole i believe it. the whole history of it is very relatable me as a child actor feeling this desire unconsciously to be famous to be super <laughs> successful and to be perfect like <laughs> and then well it's interesting because for me I, I i kind of gave that up that original dream whereas for you i feel like you it feels like this is very authentic to you and i kind of yeah. feel like we, I don't know, I'm, I'm curious, like, what's your relationship now like with this idea of, like, success and fame? What is that, is, mm. yeah, what's your relationship like? Well, first of all, let's separate those words. Like, success sure. and fame may not be the same thing, but I'm imagining and I'm hearing that fame, that version of success plays into your kind of childhood motivation. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's there's so many ways the conversation could go from that question because there's just so much. Um, are you familiar with Enneagram? I'm a little bit familiar with it. Okay. Out of all the things like the personal identifiers, astrology, blah, 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 Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram is one that I've really 
really, really felt um, seen in. And I'm a four. And the idea, the four is the individualist. And we need to be special and unique at all times. And that completely mm. drives my whole life. And I'm aware of it. Yeah, that's relatable. <laughs> and also, yeah, maybe you're a four. And also, like, because of that, like, I need to be the first one to call out my inauthenticity at any moment before anyone else can so that people know that I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's this, like, it's like this, you know, those little Russian dolls where you take one out and there's another one. It's like that for mm-hmm. me. So, um, I think the difference now is I have something to say that I believe in and, um, if I find success and fame from that, great. But ultimately, I want to be acknowledged for what I'm doing because, like, like from the Enneagram, like that's what I want. I want people to point at me and say, "You're different. Good job." Ultimately, and I think that's a big thing that drives my music. Um, but I don't want to. I have no interest in in doing something that's inauthentic to me because I can't. I inherently cannot do that. And I, I don't think that I could feel good being successful for any other reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main motivator. Yeah, this is all very relatable. Mm-hmm. And I might in future have to do some Enneagram research. Like maybe there's an episode about the Enneagram because I'm kind of fascinated. It is. But I'm, I'm hearing themes of authenticity. I'm hearing themes of specialness. And I, I too definitely had a kind of I look at my desire for specialness as a shame avoidance strategy. Yeah. But <laughs> when you combine it with authenticity, it's it's a nice way to look at it because everyone's authenticity is unique and special. Like it's yep. that that is what authenticity is. It's you and no one can recreate whatever it is that you are experiencing and feeling in any given moment. So I feel like I might be kind of demonizing my desire for specialness as a, you know, me not wanting to be controlled by shame anymore. And I like the way you've reframed it as, mm. or you've embraced it, you've kind of accepted it. Does that does that fit for you that you've accepted it? I think so. Mm. I think I've accepted it. I, I'm just doing it because I need to do it. And when I stop and think about why I'm doing it, it's almost like, no, don't just mm-hmm. just keep doing it. Keep being real. Like stop worrying about what people think you think of yourself and just write songs that mean something to you. And if it if it makes your it gives you goosebumps, then it's a good sign and put it out in the world and hope for the best. I'm reminded of your song Give In, which seems to be, as I interpret it, about letting the creative spirit kind of just flow through you and not overthinking it. Is that sort of what we're talking about here? And and is that an accurate interpretation of that song? I think so. Yeah, I would say, yeah. So you kind of trust this artistic force and lean into it and try not to get overthinking it. And I'm imagining, for me anyway, that that shame can often sneak in in the overthinking Mm -hmm. because it's... uh, yeah, it's shame is the mediator almost that's yeah. can sneak in and say no, like maybe you shouldn't share that, maybe you shouldn't show this, and and yeah. you know sometimes it can be right, like uh, uh, that's true, but more often than not, it paralyzes me. Mm-hmm. Me too. In the opening line, in like the opening phrase is today, I said I would write a song with a melody that feels like my very own. And I think that's, I just like called myself out right there. I need to feel special. Because if I'm writing music and I play a chord progression, I'm like, 
oh, that sounds like this song. Or I sing an interval, da-da, I'm like, oh, this person did this in this song, and I'm playing this guitar riff here, so that sounds too much like that. I can't use that. I'm like so aware of mm. where my influences come from, and I'm, I'm, I'm like constantly pursuing originality and authenticity that it can paralyze you. You're like, well, everything's taken, so I should quit music. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Mm-hmm. So he's giving in to some degree allowing yeah you know there's going to be these unconscious inspirations like you you don't need to police yourself that hard is that part of it as well yeah you don't need to police yourself get out of your own way mm-hmm. like get out of your way why are you your biggest obstacle all the time i i am always today i said i would write a song With a melody that feels like my very own And maybe that song, it would be so good And I would suddenly feel like I thought I would So I close my eyes and I feel so small I'm alive inside, inside the dream of it all And the words will come And the blood will rush And I will just give in I'll just, I'll just give in I'll just give in I'll just give in So what was the process like of writing this new EP? You know, you, you, you had this kind of almost (laughs) unconscious spiritual cathartic first song pray that really like awakens something in you is it is it almost a challenge to follow up something that's so raw and cathartic um it's a challenge for me for my own self I think but I, I, I actually I don't know if I really thought of it like that I mean especially with the song like give in it it the message is really sums up how it came to be also like I literally borrowed a friend's guitar because I didn't play guitar really. I knew some chords, and I was reading a book, Joni Mitchell's *Reckless Daughter*, because I love her. And I was just feeling super inspired, and I had a morning routine, which is very rare for me: coffee and reading this book. And I borrowed a friend's guitar because I was like, "I need a guitar. I'm reading this book. I'm so inspired." And I just started writing that song. And honestly, it sounds so similar to *Conversation* by Joni Mitchell. If you want to listen to those two back to back, you'll be like. <laughs> How did he do that? It's the same. It's so similar. Um, but that I was like, whatever. This is my song. Like, Joni Mitchell did not invent the four chord. So, like, mm-hmm. this is my song now. Um, but with this one, I was making a body of work. And I knew that. Whereas Prey was, like, just a one-off song. And I put it out there. And I wasn't trying to be a singer-songwriter. But with this one, I was like, I want songs that go together. I want, like, I want them to connect, but also be individual. And I kind of, I had a few songs that were kind of all about, like, the creative process or different aspects of them. So I knew I wanted them to go together. So I had a vision of of a project. Mm -hmm. And crafting those songs from the beginning with an end goal in mind was very different than sitting down and having a song come through you. Um, so it was different in that way. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there was still lots of pressure. I put lots of pressure on myself. I'm I'm thinking about the second song, If Not, which also sort of, in my mind, begins about the creative process. But then there's this surprising, almost humorous turn where the song, at least to me, <laughs> then becomes very meta and self-reflective and almost kind of looking at... Yeah, like self-consciousness, self-obsession, maybe even narcissism. Is that accurate at all? Like, is some of that ring true? It's kind of funny because the chorus and the verses of those, like, they could be different songs. So anytime I've done, like, press or anything about these songs, they're like, tell me about If Not. And I'm like, okay, well, there's two sections (laughs) because they're kind Mm -hmm. of, like, unrelated because the chorus, like you said, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, he's singing about himself. Why? Okay, and then the verses go back to something different. So, um, but that all comes back to me ne- needing to be the one to point out um, my quote unquote flaws. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to make this the chorus. You're not ready. Right, right. I'm going to tell you what you're already thinking. Mm-hmm. And especially mm-hmm. when it comes to like self promotion and like, you just got to do all that stuff. Right. So, like, I don't necessarily want to be posting about my stuff all the time. But you need to, doing the work, the work is getting people to listen to it. So yeah. um, that's where all that self-consciousness comes in. It's like, yeah, I'm doing this thing. I want you guys to listen. I'm talking about myself a lot. I know, I understand. So here's a chorus about it. Caught in a moment Screen the call, stay in it, or lose it all. I'm committed, but I don't quite know the way. Sometimes I don't want to play. Make one decision, take a bow, find a vision, find a how. Collision, what I know and what I doubt. I'm standing at the door, unsure, unsure. But if not now, then when? If not here, then where? If not me, if not me, then who? Then who? If not me, then then? If not now, then when? If not here, then where? It's very relatable. This is all very relatable to me. <laughs> yeah. And it's very accurate to the way my thinking works, where it it almost does that self-awareness that that maybe it's a bit of shame can kind of like surprise you sometimes. Yeah. Or like if I'm if if I'm struggling with an issue, like um always talking about myself, which is something that I do struggle with sometimes. Mm-hmm. When I catch myself talking about myself again or whatever the issue is, there is a kind of like, oh, what, this again? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. why always this? And this song, like, literally captures that moment. Yeah. 
in real time. I think I think it's because the way I interpret everything is is through my own experience, through my own lens. Like I think, like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. all I have. Of course. So when someone wants to tell me about something or try to get me to understand something, I'm like, hmm, that's kind of like this for me. I'm constantly centering myself, but it's it gives me a a much more colorful understanding of the world. I think, but it comes. It's like a double edged sword almost. Yeah, for me, I think I do the same thing where I want to point out my flaws first. And I do think there is a there's something protective about that. Like I don't I don't want someone to be talking behind my back or thinking badly without me. Like I want to be I want to I want to be included in that or something. Yeah, you so want to be like, in on that stuff. Yeah, don't disconnect from me. Like, stay with me. You can criticize me, but like, let's do it together. I think it's all about like, I don't want to lose the connection. Yeah, yeah, totally. With a lot of my close friends, it's like, it's like, it's kind of a joke that I like, I can, I can be very like, like um, a wallflower, but in the right social situations, I'm front and center. I am cracking jokes. I'm on all the time. So it's like a joke that I, I will take over. But it's a very specific curated environment where that part of me comes out. Um, but the people that I know and love and that know me in that way, they love me for it because I'm I'm being myself. <laughs> I'm being myself. Mm-hmm. But it's it's weird. I know maybe a lot of more people than we think relate to this. I don't really know, and maybe it's just a matter of admitting it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's I mean, which is what I'm trying to do exactly. And and I think that's exactly what i've been relating to in your journey in your in your instagram shares and in your music is this there's something about what you're doing that that and and what i'm trying to do as well mm-hmm. where it's like yeah. i want to just talk about the things that we don't normally talk about because they're shrouded in things like shame mm-hmm. and see like uh, do you have this too and people are like yeah <laughs> i have that too yeah. and it's so nice yeah the tricky thing is as far as navigating like like launching a a career as a songwriter, um, which is what I've been trying to do is I don't know how marketable all this stuff is, which is something that I hate that I Mm -hmm. have to think about. But like you, you, you go on a lot of the big Spotify playlists and I send my songs to like the biggest curators and things and like get great feedback, but it's like, this isn't like, this isn't generic, like, self-loathing pop music. Sorry to read the music industry. But that stuff sells. And I sometimes I worry my stuff that I'm writing right now is a little too real. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But these are... Or these, not real in quite the right... Not real in the right obscured way. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. Yeah, like, too self-aware. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put my finger on, like, I, I am a bit addicted to sad pop music, I must admit. Mm-hmm. And there is sad pop music to me, it, it almost, it buys into its own sadness yeah. in a way that isn't quite as self-aware, maybe, as your music seems to be. Yeah. I just don't think everyone's really that sad. <laughs> I don't know if that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's fair to say either. I don't I don't think like like I don't think I'm sure I know everyone has sadness, but I'm like you're a, a rich hot pop star. Like you you don't 
I don't know. That's not fair for me to say. Everyone has insecurities. <laughs> These are the circles I walk in, AJ. I just, it's really... Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, in the 20th century, there was pop as let's pretend everything is happy. And I yeah. can definitely see that we're still in the backlash to that, which mm-hmm. is let's pretend, let's let's reveal that we're not happy. And in fact, now let's really lean into that. And yeah. that's our kind of whole thing, you know, like yeah. maybe Billie Eilish comes to mind. Maybe maybe that's not fair. I love Billie, but yeah. there's definitely like a lot of artists that are in that zone of like, it's the tortured artist vibe is kind of the thing. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I think you're right to zoom out a little bit and because the, yeah, early pop music, 50s and 60s was like, Ramadama, ding dong, they were making up words and shit. They were so happy. And yeah. now everyone's just yeah. really sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which of course wasn't that wasn't authentic either. And I think yeah. what you're what you're sensing and, and I think you're probably right is that we're maybe not fully authentic now either. There's this curation. Yeah. And for you, it's like, well, I wanna be both. I want to have the bubblegum when that's authentic, and I want to have the dark times when that's authentic, and sometimes it's the same song. Exactly. Exactly. I'm writing a sad song right now, actually, if you can believe it. Um, which, it's funny because you mentioned something about looking in the mirror the other day, because I follow your Twitter. Didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Th- that I've noticed unpleasant feelings come up as I age when I look in the mirror. Yes, yeah. And like a week ago, so before I read that tweet, I was standing in front of the mirror with the ukulele and I started writing a song and it's turning out to be kind of a sad song. (laughs) (laughs) And the lyrics, the beginning lyrics are the more I stare, I don't know if I like my hair, the more I stare. Um, And the shirt I'm in reminds me I've always felt too thin and there's lines on my skin. Mm. So I was literally looking at myself being like, you're getting old, man. Like mm-hmm. you got, you got body issues. You got like, you got self image shit, mm-hmm. even though you just put out like a really happy, like I'm so confident EP, like there's, there's more going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was weird that I saw that. I see. Yeah. It's like you're, what you're experiencing just seems to flow out of you into music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it wasn't always this way. I think the difference now being like an adult from when I was younger is I have the language now because I would sit at the piano and make melodies like all day long, but I wasn't really writing words to them. And if I was, it was like, I wrote a song called Sunflower once. It was like, it wasn't about anything because I didn't have anything to write about really. Mm-hmm. Or you weren't like aware, aware of it. Of it kind yeah, of? exactly. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, I have a catalog of ways to talk about myself because I think about myself all the time and I have the words and now now with the musical abilities that I've been building my whole life and now they're finally coming together and I'm like is this too late is this too early and and that's why I named my EP on time because no it's not mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's the perfect time it just took you longer than like the the, the ideal 20 year old superstardom mm-hmm. time frame that we that we think of does that cross your mind this this like oh if if i figured this out when i looked like that uh maybe I, this would have helped me a lot like is that something that crosses your mind it definitely does yeah it definitely does but i don't i wouldn't be writing the music i'm writing now if i was if i was writing songs when i was 21 yeah i mean i relate to that completely yeah yeah yeah, I think a lot of people do. I mean, everyone feels old 
respectively at whatever their age like you can be 10 and be like i'm so old because you're tommy's five but like Mm -hmm. i'm not old either i'm 30 but it's a it's just a normal like thing to talk about like with your friends like oh you're turning 30 because all my friends had their 30th birthdays this year it's like we're not old but we are but we're not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i I especially think you know when you're struggling with your sexuality as a young person that it's really hard to be in touch with that kind of deep, authentic, meaningful truth that is especially popular in music now mm-hmm. and which you are also like really being motivated by right now because we are specifically avoiding our true self for <laughs> what feels like really legitimate survival reasons. Yeah, so there's self-preservation. It's impossible for us at 21 to be completely self-aware. It's not impossible, but it's there's this real, like, I didn't know who I was until 25. How am I possibly going to be writing uh, meaningful movies at 21? A million percent, yeah. I try not to get too caught up in, like, the despair of all of that, but I definitely think about it. Like, what, like, what kind of artist could I be right now if I was, if I was, like, fostered differently or if I was encouraged to be my gay twirling self from a young age like what Mm -hmm. what could this be but i would i would be writing different stuff and everything would be Mm -hmm. completely different so like you can't even really go there yeah it's it's like regret to me is this grieving over an alternate reality you know it's like yeah yeah, but that didn't happen yeah that wouldn't have happened and you know if art really is this cathartic processing of trauma yeah if you didn't have the trauma you might not even be an artist right now um that's you hit the nail on the head i think you need stuff to write about (laughs) so um what you just said reminds me of one like when i was like 13 or 14 or something before i was like before i really hit a shame wall um i was very like i said before performative outgoing like kind of like class clown like very very well behaved good grades class clown kind of thing not like disruptive Mm -hmm. but like pulling focus constantly (laughs) (laughs) okay and um i have a lot of brothers and sisters and one of my brothers my older brother called me out on it when i was like 14 or 15 like grade 9 grade 10 um and we had a series of email exchanges where he was basically like you're super conceited like you're really stuck up you think you're better than everyone else like check yourself and i was like uh, what like what how dare you but i internalized that majorly <laughs> and now it completely influences my life but i feel like w- with this ep especially it's kind of like maybe what you would call my shame breakthrough in in a lot of ways because i feel like i've kind of returned to that like um like free twirling like kid who's just like unapologetically himself all the time because he can't help it like i've kind of found my way back to that thing and it's a very common human thing to like return to find your your inner child again as as like cliche as that might sound but i feel like that's kind of where i'm at and now that i've like grounded myself in that i'm just like whoa i can i can make art out of anything like it's like like i'm like matilda and there's cheerios spinning around me like i'm in control (laughs) wow (laughs) That's really inspiring 
And, you know, you talked about finding your inner child as this cliche, like maybe it is, but it's also, I don't know that everyone does find their inner child at 30. Mm-hmm. Like that's such an incredible thing for me to hear. And I'm like, I want, I want that. I want a bit of that as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I've found it, I think, but I'm also still f- discovering it mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think I will as I continue to, to write music and, and make stuff. I want to talk a little bit more about like the promotion side because that's yeah, to that's me pleased. so alive <laughs> for for how do I I'm not I'm not I'm literally asking you this I'm just relating by saying like thoughts of how do I how do I promote my podcast how do I promote mm-hmm. the book I'm working on how do I promote my workshops etc and I also struggle with this not wanting to put myself out there like I have real shame and judgment around self-promotion. It's so powerful for Mm -hmm. me. And I'm imagining for someone who really bought into that message of you're conceited for a long time and stopped singing for a long time, that you must struggle with it. And you kind of already alluded to it. And uh, you're doing it in a a very transparent, self-aware way, which I I think to me, like that's kind of the solution. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could talk more about that, what that journey has been like and what your process is. It's still really hard. I mean, it's. I guess it's ultimately good to hear you say that I, I do come off as transparent because like when I write an Instagram post, like like formatting the font and the words you say takes a hell of a lot of time to figure out what you want to <laughs> post and what time you want to post it and what else is going on in the world and with your other artist friends right. and what how you want to caption so, literally everything is so highly curated and then the message is like i don't care and it's like it took you 10 minutes to write i don't care like who are you trying to fool here you know what i mean yeah but you will sometimes allude to the fact that you spent 10 maybe not literally that but yeah, i do yeah. get the sense that you will then also be oh and like i'm struggling with spending way too much time trying to pretend like I am effortlessly talented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's an ongoing thing. I mean, uh thank God and also curse the internet like but I don't know, my relationship with it is is ever changing. Um but I do try to be transparent about the struggles that I'm having, but then that brings up the conflict of like do people want to hear this or do they just want to listen to the song? Right, right. Uh, my my friend texted me the other day um, because he saw a tattoo. I forget, maybe not verbatim this, but it was like, explanation kills art. And he texted me. He was like, what do you think of that? And I was like, I think about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I did, I did a, my first show as like a singer songwriter. I did like an acoustic show in, um, in Leslieville, Toronto. And it was my first one. And there's so much context behind all these songs. So I explained the shit out of every song. <laughs> and then I asked a good friend for feedback and he was like, yeah, it was great. I, I kind of wish you didn't talk so much about exactly what all the songs meant. And I was like, oh, that's a really good point, actually. Because if, you know, if, if I write a song, I have a song called Like You and it's about, I wrote it in New York and it's about um, me and my boyfriend in New York and like all these happy, positive feelings. But like then after I explain that and play the song, everyone's just thinking about me and my boyfriend in New York and they can't, or maybe they have a harder time putting themselves in that song. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It brings up a lot, the idea of does explaining art destroy it? And I think when mm-hmm. I'm sharing my art on Instagram or whatever platform, and I have to talk about it, I'm like, what do I want to say to get people to come to this 
but not completely define what it's going to mean to them before they listen to it. And that's a really hard, hard thing to find what exactly that is. Mm-hmm. I'm completely winging it. How should an artist be? Yeah. I mean, it's hard because we're like, I, I mean, we're like, you're an artist also. Like we're, we're making the art and we're putting it out there and we're doing PR and I'm making posts and I'm, you know, you're, you're literally, you're booking stuff. You're literally every part of it and it really can wear you down. And you get to the point where you're like, I just want people to listen to the song. I literally just want to make people feel something like I'm, I'm tired of trying to, sh- to put this song through the format of like Twitter and Facebook. And like, it, it, mm-hmm. I feel like so much gets lost. But it sounds to me like you're in a space of trial and error, a kind of unapologetic trial and error space with some transparency, at least. And that strikes me as a healthy place to be in because you're not, uh, you're not run by perfectionism. You may be brushing against it here and there, mm-hmm. but it's not completely paralyzing you, you know? And I think shame is the thing that's saying, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake. But you can't learn anything if you listen to that message. And and so the only real solution is to kind of just do nothing or do what's safe. <laughs> so I feel yeah. like the trial and error is r- really crucial. And yeah. so I, I think that's a, that's a good strategy. And, and maybe I'm actually just giving, I'm saying this to myself now, like, okay, AJ, yeah, more marketing trial and error. Oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> right? So yeah. I get it. I'm with you. So what's next? What are you what are you working on these days? So you 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 have you have this EP that just came out a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago. It's mm-hmm. called On Time. People can listen to it on all the big platforms. Yep. Uh, I, w- I want to get that out there. So that's important. But what what's coming next? What are you working on? What are your hopes? Mm-hmm. Um so right now I'm in PEI. Um just kind of the way this year has shaken down. I'm back in Prince Edward Island, which is where I'm originally from. And I have a little two-bedroom apartment here with my partner. And I have a little music room, and I'm feeling very inspired lately. Um, I wrote a song on my childhood piano at my parents' house like a month ago about um, the pull of like the city and the country. And I started writing a song about my aging self the other day. Mm-hmm. And stuff is just coming out, and I have a new setup Um it's funny because in Toronto, it's like, okay, I'm writing my own music. I want to produce my own stuff. I need all this gear. I need this. I need this. I need to spend this much money. And here in PEI, I have like some pretty basic ass stuff. And it's pretty wild that I'm like feeling so inspired and realizing now that like I don't need all that stuff. Um, so right now, I guess some new stuff is just like coming out of me. And I'm trying to, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to. I would love to do another album or like a, an actual full length album. But I think for now I'm just going to, mm-hmm. I have some individual songs that I want to release just as like single releases. Um, and I'm kind of thinking about how they will relate to my EP and, but I'm also kind of not, I don't know. I, I do think a lot about um, people, people want to know what they're getting into kind of thing like i have a song i'm talking so much but this is my brain um i um i have my ep on time which is kind of like folk pop but i also have a dance track on there that i collaborated with with a german producer um and that's like tropical house music and then my next 
song that I'm working on right now is kind of like it's kind of like Billie Eilish, like deep, like um, electronic stuff. So I feel like I'm really all over the map, and I'm really aware of that. And I want to curate myself a little bit more, but I I want to be honest with myself as I said I need mm-hmm. to be. So very much so, still in the trial and error period to sum all of that mm-hmm. up, I would say. Mm-hmm. So still just going where the spirit takes you and seeing what happens and learning lessons. But also I can hear your meta brain kind of yep. <laughs> analyzing and for sure picking it apart at the same time. Yeah. And, and that seems to kind of come through, especially mm-hmm. in a song like If Not. Yeah. I will say a, a specific element of my artistry that I do want to continue um, um, expanding on is visual element because I've made like videos for given and if not and given had like a little bit of a budget and then if not was completely diy but i have a lot of fun um adding visuals to my music um and originally i wanted Mm. to score for film because i I mean so i guess i've always been drawn to marrying those two things and i Mm. do have a project in mind that i'm going to be recording in january um that hopefully have a visual element so that's something that that's kind of a through line so far to what I've been to what I've been doing and something I do want to continue doing. Cool. Yeah. So where can we direct people if they want to follow you and learn more about your music and listen? If you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram at noah.malcolm. Um, if you want to support my music, you can listen on any streaming platforms. If you want to directly support me, um, you can buy my EP on Bandcamp. And just look up my name, Noah Malcolm, on Bandcamp and download, and it's yours. Awesome. I'll put links to all those things in the show notes for people who want to check Noah out. Noah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was this was really great. I I as as you've probably deduced from this whole conversation, I love talking about this stuff, and it's nice to have the opportunity to to do so. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. This is definitely like a a unique subject for mm-hmm. this podcast. So I appreciate you coming and sharing. If not me, then then. If not now, then when?